Shalom and welcome again to another edition of the Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. Uh, we welcome you and thank you for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to reach us for comments or questions or suggestions, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. And as you know, these podcasts are designed to explore issues related to our own aging and the implications of longevity for our families and our community. Um, and it is a pleasure to welcome to today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, Dr. David Bernstein and Melissa Bernstein, who are the chief um, uh, directors, presidents, medical directors uh, of Power of Five Life. Power of Five Life. Uh, Dr. Bernstein, welcome back. Melissa, it's nice to meet you for the first nice time. Nice to meet you as well. Um, Always a pleasure, Rabbi. Dr. Nice to see you guys, and thank you for joining us. I know you're traveling, so I appreciate your time and, uh, and uh, to be with us. Uh, Dr. Bernstein is a returning um, guest to us, the author of many uh, books, The Power of Five Books, a uh, internal medicine specialist and geriatrician uh, based in Florida, and Melissa, uh, who brings her own special uniqueness around cooking and um exercise and yoga and we're going to try to combine some of this stuff because i'm fascinated by what you're into now especially as uh dr bernstein you've moved from uh, the daily practice into transitioning into a different phase of life which you call what re-inspirement okay so talk to me about what you guys mean by re-inspirement as opposed to retiring Go ahead. I practiced, I practiced internal medicine for 40 years, and I loved it. And I had an opportunity to take an early retirement uh, as things were going on in healthcare. And I um, can't say I totally jumped to the opportunity because I wanted to continue to practice, but it worked for me. And um, after setting myself three goals to do in retirement is sleep better, play golf better, and play mahjong with my wife. <laughs> I've done all three. Um, about a three or four months into that, um, I decided I wanted to do more. And Melissa and I put our heads together in what we are now calling our re-inspirement. And we decided that 80 years of experience in healthcare was sufficient so that now we wanted to give back to our community, uh, share what we've learned about health, healthcare, retirement, uh, aging well. Uh, experiencing longevity. And so that's what we decided to do. We've done it in a couple of no, different go ways. Uh, I, I've, I've worked on um, marketing what I've written in the last 10 years. Uh, and then um, Melissa and I have combined our forces and, and she's written uh, a cookbook and devoted um, energy toward helping people in the caregiving community. I'm an occupational therapist by background. And um, have been doing healthcare and training uh, really for the majority of my career. And the in 2015, I wound down my education company, which was providing courses for physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech language pathology, athletic trainers to get their required or needed continuing education units for their licensure and certification. So I wound that down because I really wanted to focus my energy with. David and our our goals together 
which were which are to really help people understand the aging process, why it's so important to incorporate those five S's from the power of five into their lives for longevity and for really, you know, remaining active and and aging well. So uh, the power of five and and just let's bring us up to date. What are those five elements? Well, as I researched what was causing aging or what was part of the aging process, I realized that we suffer in our community from uh, heart disease, from cancer, and from neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. And, and I explored the common element, what, what I can teach people about that they can do to reduce their, their risks. And the one common thread through that was inflammation. And so I explored what were the features of inflammation um, that we could address to make it um, bite-sized, easy to understand, portable. I decided I'd limit it to five numbers, five things, and and then fortuitously decided that they would all begin with the letter S. <laughs> so I encourage people to avoid sweets, which is carbohydrates, sugar, um, processed foods. Avoid stress, which means quitting your job, doing something differently, integrating meditation and mindfulness, and then getting more sweat, which is exercise, riding a bicycle, going out and walking, strength training, etc. Uh, getting more uh, sleep, which is inherently very um, poorly poor quality in in our life, busy lives, and then the final S was sex. Well. Sex is important for younger people, but it's important for older people. But sex is about intimacy. It's about socialization. It's about connecting with other people. And the intimacy part of it is interesting because the opposite of intimacy is loneliness. And and that's what I've discovered interests lots and lots of people because um, there are a lot of people who are lonely in our society. And the pandemic made it worse, and I discovered this before the pandemic. And and the the um, so so this opposite of intimacy and loneliness is a health problem. Uh, it's as serious as smoking fifteen cigarettes a day or being obese. So my five power of five formula with five S's really addresses most of the ills that people can address in their lives, and I recommend people starting. Uh, anytime they can, the sooner the better. But it's never too late to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned the the intimacy thing because this comes up in some of the workshops we do a lot. And you you mentioned sex, and people say, well, you know, for a variety of reasons, anything, sometimes even physical uh, disability, and but it's but but the idea of just being in relationship, touching, uh, holding this type of intimacy is really so powerful and all the literature now uh, you alluded to the literature is just showing the impact of of uh, uh isolation and loneliness this really is has become a major mental health issue hasn't it mm -hmm. absolutely true and and so and what we talk about and and i've listened i listened to your podcast and and there's there is this thread that runs through it is that what can we do about it? Because it really is like, well, I know if I diet, I, I know that if I set my alarm clock, I can sleep. 
I know that I can learn to meditate, but what can I do about loneliness? How do we overcome that? Um, I, I think it requires the same intention that all the other things do. That means I need to, I just retired and I need to have friends. Men's are re- men are really bad about this too, right. but it means I'm going to go to a men's group. I'm going to go to a church or synagogue group and I'm going to go out and I'm going to make friends that if someone is interesting to me, I'm going to say, let's have coffee, let's have lunch, let's do something so that we can make that connection and and have relationships because relationships are incredibly important. And, and for better or worse, many of the relationships that Melissa and I have developed, and she developed them with her book club friends and, and all kinds of other things, and men are really bad about it, but but making connections with people who are older than us and people who are younger than us because you really want a mix of things and you want to be able to help support other people when when there's an illness in the family or someone has some needs but also you want to understand that there are people who who may have energies that can help us along the way and so i i don't think it's really a selfish thing i don't think it's manipulative and and i address it in a very genuine authentic way because I know it's important and I know I want to do it. So in, in your, in, in your new world of re-inspirement, um, cause you just alluded to something that I, you live in Florida and, um, there's this, the, the idea of intergenerational, um, this uh, involvement as opposed to just going to, you know, a siloed community or something. How, how important as we get older is it to keep in touch with all the generations and not just focus on one particular, you know, I'm more comfortable talking to people in their sixties and seventies. We grew up with the same soundtrack. We like the same movies, et cetera, et cetera. I don't understand the millennials. So I'd rather just not deal with it. How, how isolating is that? How important is it to broaden one's, um, cultural and generational, uh, menu? It's incredibly important. It's one of those things in the power of five that's difficult. And it, it does take that intention. Um, it, it, um, we, it, it's incumbent upon us and, and it's not easy and it's, it's not necessarily fun. Uh, to interact with millennials because we really do think differently. Uh, the other component of, of what you're talking about that I'll bring in is that families um, separate or, or they, they, our kids are all in different cities in this country. As far um, west as Los Angeles and we have them in the Midwest. And, and so this is very different than 50 years ago when people s- uh, didn't move far from home and they'd have Sunday night dinners together or spend a whole day together. We don't do that anymore. And the invention of smartphones uh, makes it easy to be in touch with people, but really we get very separated by sending text text messages and, and doing FaceTime, but really don't have those connections. So, so your point being that the intergenerational part is really important. And so that Melissa will jokingly say we have to review our 10-year plan of where we're going to live and what we're going to do. Um, and she brings that up every six months. So it's a 
six month, <laughs> it's a six month plan. But but when you when you do that, you have to include who are we going to be, how are we going to have those intimate connections, and how are we going to do that, and who are we going to invite into our lives because it's incredibly important. And we live in a a, a neighborhood, a community. Um, that's not a very tight-knit community, but one where we do see young people um, during the course of our day and our week, and we see them in the park and when we, we're walking. Um, and as a, I'll speak for myself as, as being quite introverted, uh, I have to go outside my comfort zone to do that. But I find the exercise really, the exercise of going outside my comfort zone, um, invigorating. And another point that, I think with intergenerational, um, whether they be my 98-year-old mother and the facility where she lives, or it's our grandchildren who are little and our millennials. So we've got kind of all ranges within just our family, but outside of our family with our friends and that extended, kind of an extended family, because our children are around, we have this extended family. And it's really important that we do find ways to communicate with different generations because we learn from each other. And, you know, the ageism that is out there, which I'll bring up because sometimes I feel it from my children. Um, it's important to kind of talk through that with them so that they understand. I mean, I would never have said something to my grandparents um, in the day when I was growing up, they were highly respected and great communicators and learned a lot from them. And I think that's what we're trying, David and I are trying to do with our friends and family is trying to build that intergenerational communication so that there's, you know, that there's mechanisms of learning and educating each other. How much of this intergenerational stuff is part of power of five life? I'd say it's part of, it, it's not specific, it's kind of t ties well, with everything I, that you do. Well, you do. yeah, it is. It, it, I've had to water, I've had to water down the use of the word sex <laughs> to include the socialization. And I weigh them all of equal value. If, if loneliness has a, has a health impact of, of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being obese, that's huge. Right. So it, it carries the same weight as, uh, exercise and eating and, and mindfulness and, and getting enough sleep. And so when, when I incorporate or when I, when I encourage people to adopt a power five lifestyle, it, it's all of them. I, I don't leave any part out and say, well, forget about the loneliness part, mm -hmm. you know, plan what you're going to do. Um, but the loneliness part really, I think is what pulls together because, you know, to prevent or reduce loneliness with, in the intergenerational, I mean, I know I can, my mother who's 98 and I'll talk about her again because she's quite an enigma, but um, you know, she's very lonely. And I try to encourage, you know, my connection with her, of course, David's and um, the children calling her so that she feels part of something still. And I know that's so hard as they get older and even, I mean, younger, the kids are all engaged in their activities and there's a lot going on, but keeping them engaged with, us and with their grandmother is really, really important. But that's part of the loneliness piece that comes out of the intimacy and the ask for sex, if you will, or socialization. And people are not knowledgeable enough about this and, and don't know where to find it. So um, first, 
we can talk about the religious component of this that that maybe visits to the synagogue and churches were on their way down before the pandemic but the pandemic has had a really negative impact on church attendance and synagogue attendance and and that's where people can meet but there are other areas where they can meet uh, book clubs like Melissa goes to and and Mahjong groups and and men who play golf or bowling leagues and 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 looking for ways that um, they may be able to interact with people at work. And, you know, that's another thing that's taken a hit because people are, are working remotely and they're not interacting with people. So, you know, there's like kind of like a double whammy out there of, of this is something we've, we've know we need to address and it's more important and it's getting more and more difficult to do. Um, oh, no, but I get the same way. The two of you, as you mentioned before, have something like 80 years of actual life experience um, dealing with issues associated with one's own longevity and aging. So, I mean, you're, you talk to your friends, you talk to your, the groups that you're involved with, and I'm sure you have a, a circle of friends who you can just be. And what's the, what's the greatest fear that you're picking up? in your conversations with your friends and perhaps groups, organizations, classes, what's the greatest fear of our generation as we get older? What, what are you picking up? What are we most afraid of? I, I think, you know, that people are, we are all afraid of having someone take care of us as we get older. And the state of healthcare today where, and this kind of moves into caregiving is what kind of I've been focusing on in terms of caregiver health and wellness. Um, right. The state of the, the decline of the amount of caregivers in the future is, is going to affect us as we get older. We all want to stay home. We all want to age in place as long as we possibly can. But I think um, among my friends, and people we've talked to that there there are these fears about what what is going to be for us when we get to the point we really need a caregiver or healthcare or a facility that's going to take well good care of us that's one aspect well and and to clarify it a little bit it it it's independence it's a, a loss of independence yeah, and right. and i know a big portion of of your listeners are baby boomers we've right. talked about that over the years and as baby boomers we're a very independent generation we we like to do things ourselves we've always gotten by doing those things and and then our health may go it right. may be a hip replacement it may be a fall and a fracture and suddenly there's a there's a big change and um and and the, out of and out of the 53 million caregivers there are the largest group of caregivers is the baby boomers they are the largest group that is taking care of an adult or a handicapped child or something and their health their aging as well as they're taking care of someone so um and, and then the the final component of this is the the huge fear of dementia and mm -hmm. and that adding to that now we live here in florida our kids are all over the country and now we have dementia and who's going to be our caregivers and how are we going to do that and how are we going to live and where are we going to live and who's going to accept some of the burden of of what's going on in our lives that's a real fear and also gets swept under the rug until it it comes crashing down in a crisis and 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 there is no plan so we talk a little bit about our own personal plan and encourage others to to set forth a plan so that they can address these needs 
But that that's why we live the power of five. <laughs> we get enough sleep. We exercise. We all of the things that we talk about can maybe push that the, those illnesses or anything that that may get us down as we age. Maybe can push that further away. You know, taking care of yourself and using the power of five formula is really the way that we talk about the importance of why. You know, you can stay healthier, you can live longer. These are the kinds of things that, you know, we talk about because of these issues that we're facing ahead of us. And the an, another component of that, Melissa, is, is that we go out in our community and, and, and participate in events so that we get our brain stimulation as well. But mm-hmm. it also feeds into, um, you know, are we getting interaction with other people and, and, and setting up practices so that we avoid that loneliness trap. So if somebody wanted to, to, to find out more about this and, and uh, the, the five, the website is what, how, how where does Power somebody go on life. the machine? Power of five life.com. Dot com. One, one continuous Correct. So with the numeral, with five. the numeral five, the number five. So the power of oh, the number important. five. That's important. I think we do on the website for the other, but I don't think they're connected with the okay. word five. So, M- Melissa, one of the things that, that your husband was talking to me about uh, is, is your, the, the cooking thing and how yes. I'm fascinated with how, how do you like marry the uh, recipe to the power of five uh, philosophy? So, um, yeah, so the, 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 the S that is the realm of healthy eating is the sweets S. So that really is what really blossomed from and made and started stimulating the cookbook. Because in the second part of the book is a, a sampling of healthy recipes and a, a weeks of, of healthy recipes and kind of what kinds of foods you need to eat, what kinds of foods to stay away from, et cetera. So the, that, that really was the blossom of the cookbook. Um, but I put the cookbook on hold, which I'm back to it now, but I put the, that original cookbook on hold um, because before I say that, I just want to say about the, you asked the question about the, the recipes. The recipes are all based on the healthy eating patterns that we have outlined, which are less sugar, uh, less fat, healthy carbohydrates. Um, high protein. So that's kind of the basis of these recipes. Um, and, and if I and, could interject, sure. one of the reasons why we chose to do that is that sugar um, it, it leads to diabetes, but it also leads to some of the problems associated with dementia yes. and neurodegenerative disease. So yes. we've really tamped down the carbohydrates and sugar intake to avoid that consequence um, that people are most fearful Very about. Very good point. Very good point. So I stopped what I was doing with the large cookbook and made a smaller cookbook, which is specifically for caregivers. And I did that because I was doing a presentation for caregivers for um, a, a group that has a memory care units. And as an occupational therapist, that's kind of my realm of expertise in terms of the daily living skills. And that's what occupational therapists do. We, we help regain strength and mobility after an accident, an illness, et cetera, um, in our daily living skills. So um, 
eating and cooking is all part of our daily living skills. So when I did the presentation, I made a small cookbook for them, which talked about how do you bring someone with neurodegenerative disease into the kitchen, someone with dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and how do we know what they can help with? And it's important that this cookbook kind of guides them into what are the steps that they need to take? How do they feel comfortable and safe in the kitchen? How do they know what someone can do? So any level of assistance with any recipe is beneficial. And so maybe it's just stirring a pot or maybe it's just, you know, um, cutting something. Um, but understanding that this a purposeful activity like in the kitchen can not only be a, a diversion from their daily routine that they do with some of their care recipients, but also can facilitate uh, memory and reminiscence of times when they may have cooked with their grandparents or their parents in the kitchen and may facilitate memory and may facilitate, um, you know, music and even dancing. So there's that whole experiential of cooking in the kitchen can be so much more than just cooking a recipe. And it's really not about the recipe. It's about everything around the recipe and the process of making the recipe. No, no, I've had experience in, in, and also doing programs around memory care and dementia and Alzheimer's where people, and we've interviewed some people. Uh, I remember somebody saying, well, yes, we we would go and we would make a challah, but just the fact of, of the, um, the caressing of the dough and the kneading of the dough and the smells would trigger memories. Right. right. So, um, that in music, we don't talk about this enough. Um, but it's really a very, very powerful that it goes to, I think the, the core of one's soul, the emotions, the memories that are stored without having to say, do you remember when we went to? No, I don't, but I smell that smell reminds me of when I was cooking the brisket. Or something yes. like that. I, yes. I would imagine. I would imagine that in your cookbook and in your recipes, that processed food, the American diet, has no place. Uh, no place. In, because <laughs> because don't those foods, the McDonald's and the processed foods and everything and the processed meats, don't they increase inflammation and and really yes. short circuit a lot of healthy eating? Yes, absolutely that the cleaner the diet the better and by clean i mean no processed foods no sugar or minimal amount of sugar um and no additives of any type and because that all feeds into if you will (laughs) feeds into you know inflammation are there different types of sugars are there different are there like good fats and bad fats i mean I, i know nothing is sugar there, is sugar. I, I mean, sugar is sugar. You know, well, the, you uh, can think have things like there's date sugar, which is, you know, derived from dates, which is which is a better type of sugar um, and sugars that aren't processed. So sugars that come from natural fruits are 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 better sugars for you. There's a sugar I've been using now from um, jackfruit in my cooking, which has no calories. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm sorry, monk fruit, but there's a jackfruit. That's a type of product, but, um, monk fruit. I'm so sorry. Um, that is, that is a, um, uh, from, from fruit and it is, um, natural. It's got no, it's, and there's no 
when you eat it, there's nothing that affects your diabetes or your up and down, what's it called, your regulation of your insulin, insulin levels. levels. So um, I've been trying to find things that are sweet, but that are not harmful to your body. If I can weigh in here, it, it's high fructose corn syrup is, is an additive that is really sugar, really metabolized really quickly, goes to the brain and has the negative consequences. And it also stimulates dopamine levels, which is the pleasure hormone in our body that gets us addicted to sugar. So the cereal industry knew about this and they put all kinds of sugars in breakfast cereals to get kids addicted. And you and I grew up with Captain Crunch or, or Fruit Loops and all those things that we were drawn to because of the sugar content. Well, that's a whole, the, the whole other conversation about what's put into food. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole, that's a, I mean, that's frightening. And, and that is, it's, and I, it's very frightening. And no, I, anyway, I, it, it, it's Agreed. a whole, we'll, we'll be here for two hours on that. that but it's very, <laughs> but so few people really understand or read the labels. I, I mean, you mentioned the high fructose corn syrup, which I understand is, is absolutely the worst thing you can put in your body or one of the worst things you can put in your body uh, because of exactly what you were talking about. So what the, what you did ask about was what it was kind of like a good sugar, an example of that. Well, if you look at something yeah. like an apple or a strawberry, yes, there's natural sugar in that. And we need sugar because it's a source of energy, but it's wrapped around or surrounded with fiber. So when you consume those types of fresh things that grow without a ingre other ingredient in them, you're eating something that's healthy. You're getting your energy source, you're getting your fiber, and that tamps down or the the insulin release and some of the negative consequences that lead to inflammation right the apple a day mentality which is uh, <laughs> exactly which, but, I have to, but i have to ask you this question because there's part of me that very selfishly and some friends of mine dark chocolate it's good for us right it is good for you yes and that's, the darker, that's all i need to the know darker, it, the better the darker the better that, that's all we need to know. That's the headline. I have a piece Dark every single day. It's got uh, antioxidants. Really? It's got antioxidants. It is actually very good for you. It's very low in sugar, uh -huh. especially if you get the higher. And but the antioxidant aspect of of dark uh, chocolate um, is has favorable impacts. Has favorable impacts. Good way to say it. Thank you very much. Before we start running out of time, I want to ask you because again. Uh, and again, the, the website Power of Five, the number five uh, life, life dot com. Com. Power yep. of Five, the number life dot com. And on that website is um, the, you can contact for classes and programs and books. And so it's important for people to understand that. One last, one little tiny easy question. In all your experience um, with groups, with individuals, with yourself, with your friends, in classes that you teach, how can we, as we age, and if we're given the gift of longevity and the gift of health, but along with it, the natural there are natural losses that take place, just natural that's part of life. Mm -hmm. How do you, 
how do you work with individuals who say, yeah, but, you know, I can't see as well as I used to. I can't, I'm not as mobile as I used to. I have to do this. I'm losing this. I'm losing that. Loss is part of living. Loss is part of living. How do you begin to, in your, in the power of five philosophy, deal with that? I don't know that it's totally within my power of five philosophy, but as you know, I, I had a, another acronym that I used that I saw in people who aged well and had lots of resilience, and it was my grace, goals, roots, attitude, companionship, and environment. And within that is this attitude. And usually I talk about an attitude of, of gratitude and kindness, but you know, you can talk about being kind to yourself and having a positive attitude. And, and accepting things that come along and, and um, being mindful that that's the way life is and celebrating it. Not everybody does that and they still survive. And Melissa knows her mother is the example of someone with not a great attitude who had genes that enable her to live so far to almost 98. Um, and she suffers and you don't, one doesn't have to suffer. One can adapt. Uh, or adopt an attitude of positivity and accept the things that are going on and go with the flow. Speaking of flow, is my aunt Flo in California, who's <laughs> 102. And we visited her um, and I, I'll, we have this discussion about, Ann Flo, how did you live to be 102? And she said, it all has to do with mazel. Lock. Right. And I said, well, well you know, that, not, that's not, not really easy. That, no, that's, that, you know, that's not really easy for me to talk to in public because not everybody knows Mazel and, and, and I have to incorporate the power of five because you didn't make it to 102 by not doing some of that stuff. And she's a stubborn woman and she'll say, no, I didn't do any of it. And I say, no, uh, let's say you eat right. You, you have always been active. Um, she still she, plays bridge. She does ceramics oh still at 102. Keep, 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 and she's been in a, a book club with, been, with other people. And she's always been very social. And she'll talk to us about when we're, when we're there about the fact that when we would visit her in California, she would introduce her to her circle of friends. And, and so, Aunt Flo, you're not entirely right. You have had a positive attitude. You, you have incorporated some of those things. And and she's certainly happier than my mother-in-law and has certainly has a better attitude. Um, and, you know, you, you have a choice about your attitude and choosing a positive one goes a long way. Oh, no, no. You're, you're the, and I, I firmly believe that in addition to the genetic component, which is, I think, non-deniable, the family of origin, what the messages that sometimes get put into us when we're children about dealing with life and how to deal with loss and how to deal with upset. And um, that comes home to roost. It's part of our own uh, ambiance, our own gestalt as we get older. Yes. And I think it comes out, it comes out, I mean, in some way, shape or form. Um, but I mean, it's the, the work you're doing is fascinating. Once again, the website power of five, the number five life.com. Um, books, classes, recipes, uh, yes. everything combined around the, the, the five, the power of five philosophy. If there's one thing as we, because we're just about out of time, 
there's one piece of advice that you would like to give the people who may be listening or watching this, what would it be? From a, from an eating standpoint and cooking standpoint is read labels, <laughs> try to eat as, as clean as possible. And don't be afraid to cook a recipe that you've never made before. And and I could add to that, eat your fruits and vegetables. Eat your and fruits grains and vegetables. And nuts because not yes. enough people eat those. Yes. Um, my, my takeaway point is that it's never too early to start and it's never too late. And that we can all make adjustments and that they have have favorable impacts and and personally i was not always the best eater and the best stress modulator while i was practicing medicine but i certainly after my research made my changes and adjustments so it's never too late well congratulations on your own re-inspirement and the spreading of the re-inspirement word to others and in the power of five life um, Dr. David Bernstein, Melissa Bernstein, thank you very, very much. I just wish you continued success, travel safe, good health, and um, maybe I'll see you on on uh, US 19 on the way down to Clearwater one day. So uh, okay. look forward to it. Thank you. You'll be good. Take care. Thank you. And to all of you, thank you again for joining us on today's uh, edition of Secrets of Meaning, the TV show and podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Uh, we appreciate your attention. And again, uh, you can email me, rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com for any suggestions or comments. If you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help support our work and these podcasts, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com. Click on the donate button. Just follow the prompts. It's real easy. A big shout out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. Uh, the Seekers of Meaning is produced through Lubetkin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Thank you again for joining us. I look forward to seeing you on our next Seekers of Meaning TV show and podcast. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy. Eat right. Remember those five things. And most of all, be kind. Be kind to everyone. Take care. Shalom.